Thank you for listening to our church podcast, where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m., for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. The title of my sermon today is A Life to Die For. Now, I know that's uh, not the best way to phrase that grammatically. If my mother were here, she's big into English grammar, and she would tell me you're not supposed to end on a preposition. You're supposed to rearrange the sentence, so it should be something like a life for which to die instead of a life to die for. But I like what Winston Churchill said when he was criticized for ending sentences on a preposition. He responded, that is a rule with which I cannot up with put. So I'm going to stick with my title, A Life to Die For. Our text this morning may be the most important passage in the New Testament on Christian discipleship. In these four verses, Jesus defines what it means to follow him, what it means to be a Christian. Many people in our culture, in America especially, throw around the term Christian as though you're a Christian if you just believe that Jesus died and rose again. But Jesus defines being a true follower of his quite differently, as we'll see. This teaching starts with a command in verse 23, followed by three reasons or arguments for why you should follow the command. So we're going to begin in verse 23, where it says, He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Notice first the scope of the command. It says in verse 23 that Jesus says this to them all. Uh, if any man will come after me. This isn't just for the 12. This is, for, uh, this is true for anyone who seeks to be a follower of Christ. Uh, next notice that following Jesus is defined as denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following him. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Before we talk about what it means to deny yourself and to take up the cross, I want us to Consider the consequences of this decision, whether you decide to be a follower of Christ or not. Because I believe that what Jesus is calling people to is salvation. Those who choose to follow Jesus, no matter the cost, they are saved. Their sins are forgiven. They are given eternal life. Those who choose an easier path and refuse to follow Christ are lost and they will perish. There's certainly some who would claim that this text is not about eternal life, that it's about Uh, just following Christ, and it's no big deal if you don't because you can still be a Christian. Uh, But Jesus explicitly says, your eternal destiny is at stake in this choice. Uh, This is how Matthew records Jesus' statement immediately following this command to take up your cross and follow him. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul. So Jesus makes it clear, your eternal soul will be lost if you choose the path of living for yourself instead of the path of following Christ. That is the result of this choice. So you have a decision to make. Will you be a follower of Jesus even if it costs you now? Or will you refuse to follow Jesus and have it cost you eternally? Back to our verse in in verse 23, Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross daily, and follow me. I'm going to focus first on that word cross. We often associate the word cross with Christianity, and that's certainly understandable. Jesus, of course, died on the cross. That's the pinnacle of our faith. And so it's become a symbol of the love of Jesus. Some of you may even have a cross necklace on right now. It's 
uh, something that is, is very common in our culture. And it, and, it, and it makes sense to us that it would be such a symbol because we know that it's through Jesus' death on the cross that he purchased our forgiveness. We can be saved because of his death on the cross. But when Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, he had not yet gone to the cross. Uh, they didn't understand this in the same nostalgic way that we do. To them, a cross was an execution device. It would be like you having a necklace with an electric chair on it. That would be a little strange to us. Uh, but that's what the cross was. It didn't have this um, loving, beautiful symbolism to it. It was, it was the way people were executed. A cross was a very painful way to be killed. It was the Romans' uh, punishment for the worst of criminals. Uh, many people were crucified before Jesus, murderers and especially those who tried to rebel against Rome, because Rome basically used the, the crucifixion as a method of uh, scaring the rest of the, the, uh, the, the subjects. So if somebody rebelled against Rome, they would be publicly shamed and, and beaten and crucified so that other people would see that and, and not dare uh, to, to follow in their footsteps. A very painful way to die. The, the person would slowly suffocate because they were hung by their wrists and their feet, so they would have to push up in order to have their lungs expand enough to breathe. And eventually, exhaustion would cause them uh, to, to lack the strength needed to push up for a breath and they would die. Uh, it was not uncommon for it to take days for someone hanging on a cross to, to finally die. It was also a very shameful way to die. Uh, the criminal would be stripped of his clothes before being hung on the cross. And the crosses were positioned along major highways so that everybody passing by would see the person being killed on a cross. It was a public show of Rome's power and the punishment that you would receive if you did what they did. And so what does Jesus mean when he says that if you want to be his follower, you need to take up your cross? I think there's at least three things implied by this statement. Number one is shame. Number two is suffering. Number three is death. Those are three words that describe what it meant to take up a cross. Following Jesus means taking up your cross. A follower of Jesus must be willing to endure shame and suffering and possibly even death. Are you willing to be ridiculed by the world, persecuted for your faith, and even to die as a martyr if that's what it will cost you to be a follower of Jesus? That's what he's asking them. By the way, to the, the, the disciples to whom he's speaking, this wasn't just a hypothetical. Almost all of the 12 apostles were martyred for their faith, many of them on crosses. And so this wasn't a hypothetical scenario. This was reality for these men. If they chose to follow Christ, they would suffer and die as a result of that choice. And Jesus is giving them that warning. He's making it clear to them up front. Uh, this is what's going to happen if you choose me. Now make your choice. Notice also Jesus says self-denial is required in order to follow Jesus. And that's obvious considering what he just said about a cross. I don't like being shamed. I don't like uh, suffering. And I certainly don't look forward to dying. And so if I'm going to take up the cross, if I'm going to voluntarily uh, choose the path of suffering and shame and, and death, I have to deny myself. Following Jesus means uh, letting go of your old desires. I'm not living for me anymore. If I was, I wouldn't be taking up the cross. I'm following him. And wherever he leads, I will follow even to death. Now, why would anyone want to live like that? Who would listen to this teaching of Jesus and say, give me that cross. I'll take the shame, I'll take the suffering, I'll take the death, if it means I get to follow him. Why would that be worth it? Why would anyone deny themselves, not live for me, but instead live for Jesus? Verse 24 gives the reason. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, for, because, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. 
But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. I want to give you a visual to kind of see this. There is a kind of saving of your life that leads to you losing it. And there is a way of choosing to lose your life for the sake of Christ that will cause you to actually save it. That's what Jesus is saying. And he says here, you need to choose, will you follow me or not? If you live for me, expect the cross, shame, suffering, death. If that's too much for you, then you can't be a follower of mine. Now, if you seek to save your life now by avoiding that cross, by avoiding the shame and and the suffering and the death, you will lose your life in the end. If you say, "I, I like Jesus, I like some of the things he said, I like some of the things he did, He's compelling to me, but I'm not willing to suffer for him. If you try to to save your neck by avoiding the cross, you'll lose your soul in the end. That is what he's saying. But if you choose rather to embrace the cross now, you will save your life in the end. If you choose to lose your life for Christ's sake, that means when, when faced with the choice to be a follower of Jesus, knowing that it may cost you and it may lead to suffering and shame and death, you say, I, I still want to follow him. If that's the choice you make, you will have eternal life. You'll save your soul by losing your life. So that's the reason for following Christ. We should take up the cross and live a life of self-denial and following Jesus because if we try to save our life by avoiding that suffering and that shame and that death, we will ultimately lose our soul. But if we lose our life here and embrace the cross, follow Jesus even if it means shame and suffering and death, if we choose that road, we may lose our life here, but we'll save our eternal soul. Jesus said in John 12, He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So each one of us has a choice to make. Will we live for ourselves now and then die and experience suffering and death forever? Or will we live for Jesus now for the promise of eternal life after death? So in other words, we should take up the cross because uh, it is the only way to save our soul. And if you're so concerned about avoiding that suffering that you run from the cross, you end up suffering eternally. You you will experience the very thing you, you were trying to avoid. So why should we lose our life now instead of later? Uh, Jesus continues in verse 25, For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? And the implied answer is obvious, nothing. Uh, There is no profit, there is no benefit in gaining the whole world and everything that's in the world if you die and be cast away forever. So we should choose the path of self-denial now because what good is it to live live it up now in this life, to enjoy pleasures and, and sin in this life and avoid the suffering and shame and death only to lose your soul forever? That, that's a bad trade. You only live a few years on this earth, but you live forever after this life. If you choose to live for you here and now, you will regret that decision for all of eternity. But if you choose instead to live for Christ now, it might seem like you're making sacrifices and not enjoying life as much as some other people because you've committed to follow Christ. But it'll it'll be worth it five seconds after this life ends because that reward is forever. So what what will you live for? What do you want? The world or your soul? You can't have both. Jesus says, you're either living to gain something from this world, whether it's money or status or comfort, whatever, whatever it may be. You're either living for this world or for your soul by living for Christ. And Jesus is saying this really shouldn't even be a question. 
Every joy the world offers you in this life is temporary. Whatever money you have will be gone the second you die, and it'll go to someone else. Whatever possessions you acquire in this life can't be taken into the next. And so Jesus says, if you had the option to either receive the entire world and everything in it, or your eternal soul, that should not be a difficult choice. Choose your soul. What could possibly be worth losing your soul forever? How much would you sell your soul for? I want to ask that question. No, no one would put a number on that. We all recognize that, that to say, oh, give me five billion and I'll, I'll give up my soul. Of course not. We understand that our soul is more important than anything someone can give you. And yet people choose money and people choose career and people choose comfort over their soul all the time. Because Jesus says, if you live for yourself now, and if you reject the shame and the suffering that may be associated with being a follower of Christ, you are indeed forfeiting your soul. This text reveals the error also of the cheap grace movement within Christianity. This idea that you can just believe in Jesus, pray a prayer when you're a kid or something, and you can call yourself a Christian and you have eternal life. Jesus never taught that. Uh, This text makes that clear. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. A true follower of Jesus lives for him. And so our text is really explaining what an attitude of repentance looks like. Jesus taught that in order to be forgiven and be given access to the kingdom and eternal life, we must repent and believe. We believe by placing our trust in Jesus and his death and resurrection to pay the penalty of our sins, and we repent by turning from our sins and yielding ourselves to God. We live for him instead of living for ourselves. And this is what Jesus is expounding on in this text. This is the attitude that is required of someone who wishes to be a Christian. The last verse of our text, verse 26, Jesus says, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, that's the person who looks at the two choices and says, I won't follow Jesus. I'm not willing to endure the suffering and the shame and the cross for his sake. That person will, be, will face the judgment of God. There are many examples, of course, in the Bible of people who are unwilling to follow Christ because of the cost. We've looked before at the rich young ruler. He had uh, wealth and possessions, and he was unwilling to yield that up to be a follower of Christ. John wrote in chapter 12 of his gospel, he says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But, because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. And they believed on Jesus, but they were too afraid of the shame to confess openly their belief. These are not true Christians. Listen to the words of Paul in Romans 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. This verse is not talking about praying a sinner's prayer, as many as have falsely claimed. It is talking about openly confessing Jesus as your Lord. If you believe on Christ savingly, you will not be ashamed to confess him openly. You must believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. And that that may cost you. Uh, It may lead to shame and opposition from the world. You may even be persecuted and killed, but the true follower of Christ is the one who is willing to deny himself and take up that cross to follow Jesus. 
Those who are ashamed of Christ, unwilling to publicly identify with him, will not be received by him. Jesus said in Matthew 10, Whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. In other words, if we're ashamed of being a Christian, because of the cultural cost, we aren't Christians. If we live for Jesus now, we will live with Jesus later. If we deny ourselves now, we get to experience the glory of his kingdom. But if instead we choose to avoid the cross in this life and deny Jesus instead of denying ourselves to follow Jesus, we will face the judgment of God. Matthew's account of our text says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father and with the angels, and then shall then he shall reward every man according to his works. So make your choice. This is a choice each individual person must make. Will I follow Christ? Will I deny myself? Or will I live for myself and in so doing deny Jesus and face his judgment? One final note on this text. I want to go back to verse 23. I skipped over a word you may have noticed in verse 23. It says, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily. That's a daily decision. What will I do today? Will I live for Jesus today or for myself? I have some bad news for you. Um, Your pastor is not saved, at least not fully saved. I'm not all the way saved yet. There's a real sense in which I'm awaiting my final salvation when I will be completely free from sin. I believe that in a sense I was saved back in 2011 when I repented of my sins and I gave my life to Jesus. My sins were forgiven at that moment because I made that choice to take the cross instead of living for my own desires. But unfortunately, I did not stop sinning in 2011, as many of you can attest, and certainly my wife can. That choice was not a one-and-done deal. I have to decide every day if I'm going to follow Christ today or if I'm going to live for me today. And so each person in this room has a choice to make, and the the stakes could not be higher. Who will you live for? You or Jesus? And you can't try to do both, because following Jesus is by definition denying yourself. If you've made that decision like I did about 10 years ago, I I would encourage you to focus on that word daily. Uh, Just because you chose to follow Christ at one point in your life doesn't mean you're still doing so. And a part of what it means to follow Jesus is to keep crucifying yourself. You have to keep taking up that cross daily. You have to decide again today, I'm living for Jesus, not for me. When temptation to sin comes, you have a choice to make. Who's in control of your life? Jesus or you? I want to get real practical for a minute because my hunch is that for most of us, we have to make this decision about 10 o'clock every Sunday morning and maybe starting next week, 9 o'clock. We wake up, that alarm clock goes off, and you feel like you just closed your eyes. And somehow the bed is more comfortable now than it's ever been. The room temperature is perfect. Uh, Everything in you just wants to lay right where you are. And I know this is true because it happens to me most Sunday mornings. And then I remember I'm the pastor, so I have to show up. I've been encouraging all of us to make the commitment to read through scripture, the, the, the Bible this year, or at least to read a chapter a day, to consistently read Scripture on our own. But that will, on a small scale, take self-denial. Now, I understand going to church, reading the Bible, is not quite the same as being persecuted and giving your life for Jesus. I understand that. But that leads to the final part of Jesus' command in verse 23. He says, if you want to be a follower of mine, not only must you deny yourself and take up your cross, but you must follow me. And some of us struggle with the follow me part. I don't think you would die for Jesus if you don't live for him. 
Every day in, in America, we aren't really faced with the possibility of suffering and dying for our faith. Uh, certainly there's a stigma that our country is attaching to Christianity. Some of you may be exper- experiencing the shame part. Uh, Christians are being shamed even in our country because of our identity as a follower of Jesus. But one decision that each of us is faced with on a daily basis is if we will follow him today. And every day we're faced with those decisions about whether to read scripture, whether to pray, whether to give, whether to resist sin. And what we choose shows whether we are a follower of Jesus or not. A true follower of Jesus follows Jesus. That may sound obvious, but I think there's many of us who are quick to slap on the label Christian, but in our day-to-day living, are, are we truly following him? If Christianity were made illegal today, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Uh, maybe you remember a game that you played as a kid called Follow the Leader. Uh, you'd have one, one kid in the front who would you know, do jumping jacks or hop on one foot or something, and then a bunch of kids behind him would mimic whatever the leader was doing. I think that's a good image of what it means to follow Jesus. You aren't following the leader if you're doing whatever you want. Following Jesus means doing what he leads you to do, following his example, obeying his commands. And that's what it means to be a Christian. So are we living for Jesus or are we living for our own pleasures? If you want to be a Christian, you must deny yourself, be willing to suffer for him and follow him. And it's a daily choice. He said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. I thought about closing it right there because... I think that is an accurate exposition of those four verses. However, what we see in these verses is a negative motivation for following Jesus. Uh, You should follow him or else you'll lose your soul. And that's true. I I don't want to minimize that. I don't ever want to take a harsh or hard teaching of Jesus and kind of uh, smooth over the rough edges. But that isn't the only motivation the Bible gives us to follow Christ. There are negative and positive reasons to be a Christian. And so I thought I'd close out today by offering you one final text to consider. I don't, I don't necessarily have a life verse. People have asked me that before. Uh, to me, that's like a, asking a grandparent to pick their, pick their favorite grandkid. Uh, that's just, how can you do that? By, by elevating one, you're devaluing the others. And so I've never really picked one verse, but at least in this stage of my life, Matthew thirteen forty four has been uh, perhaps the most impactful. And it goes like this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. This is Jesus speaking, and he compares the kingdom of heaven to a treasure hidden in a field. Now, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, as we've talked about before, uh, simply is a way of referring to the realm in which Jesus rules. If you submit to Jesus as your king, you are a part of his kingdom. And being a part of the kingdom of Jesus, he says, is like a treasure that a man finds in a field, and he goes and he sells everything that he has in order to buy that field and thus gain the treasure. He loses his life in order to find it. He denies himself in order to gain the treasure, which is Christ. Now, normally it would seem like a difficult thing to go and sell everything that you possess. I mean, think of your possessions, your car, your house, everything that you possess. Think of selling all of that. 
and then giving it up in order to buy a field. That seems like a difficult decision. That, that is what the rich young ruler struggled with. He was unwilling to sacrifice his wealth in order to follow Christ. But this man in Matthew 13, notice it says he does this for joy. For joy he sells all that he has in order to buy that field. And the reason is obvious. The treasure that he's gaining is more valuable to him than the sum of everything that he has now. Jesus is worth more than whatever you gave up when you became his follower. Yes, we're called to turn from our sins. We're called to give our lives to Jesus. But giving up a life of slavery to sin, followed by eternal punishment in hell, isn't much to give up. And what we gain is eternal life with a restored relationship to our Creator, the very purpose of our existence. If you feel aimless in your life, like you have no meaning, this is the answer. A relationship with God is what you were created for, and nothing in this world can bring fulfillment like that. So giving up control of your life to Christ is only a difficult decision if you think that you can live your life better than he can. But if Jesus is the very God who created you, then it follows that he would know how to satisfy your soul more than you would. Surrendering control of your life to Jesus is like a little child allowing their parent to drive them in the car. It would be foolish for the child to try to drive himself instead of trusting that his father knows how to drive the car better. God knows better how to direct your life than you do. And so we do. We give up sin. We give up our lives and we get Jesus. We lose our temporal earthly life and gain an eternal heavenly one. We're called to give up dirt for diamonds. And so we shouldn't look at surrendering our lives to Jesus' lordship as a burden. Uh, The reward is so much more than the few years of sin and selfishness that we give up. When you treasure Jesus more than anything else in your life, and you see following him as the greatest life you could live, you might make sacrifices, you might give up some things, but you'll do it for joy, because he is worth it all. I want to close with a quote, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes. He says, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, ambition, when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.